Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Hosea chapter 3 from the World English Bible. Yahweh said to me, Go again, love a woman loved by another, and an adulteress, even as Yahweh loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for myself for fifteen pieces of silver and a homer and a half of barley. I said to her, You shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the prostitute, and you shall not be with any other man. I will also be so toward you. For the children of Israel shall live many days without king and without prince and without sacrifice and without sacred stone and without ephod or idols. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek Yahweh their God and David their king and shall come with trembling to Yahweh and to his blessings in the last days. That is the end of chapter 3. This very short chapter is another section about Yahweh giving instructions to Hosea to get his wife back. That is the only way it makes sense, even if she isn't named. It can't refer to another woman. The whole book is about Yahweh pursuing one wife. Hosea's action in bringing his wife back to him is supposed to be a picture of how Yahweh still loves the people of Israel. The clear analogy is that worship of anything or anyone else is spiritual adultery. Regarding cakes of raisins, this was something associated with pagan worship, not that there is anything inherently wrong with raisins. As with all God's gifts, they can be perverted in use. Here, what should have been seen as blessings from Yahweh is made part of idolatry. It's also referenced in Jeremiah 7.18. And according to Strong's, the word here implies a sacrificial cake as a way of thanking the idol for provision. There are some different opinions about what bought her for myself means in the second verse here. In the Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary, they lean towards he is redeeming her from a state of slavery that she ended up in. But I'm inclined to agree with Matthew Henry that the tone of it all is that he is paying her wages, both as a reproof to her and also as an indication of how low she has fallen. The amount that he gives implies she hasn't had a better offer and needs food. The 15 pieces of silver is made to look like a very low wage, especially when you compare it to things like the seven-plus years that Jacob served for Leah and Rachel, or the mighty deeds of battle that King David did for his first wife, Saul's daughter, Michal, which was indicated by getting the 104 skins of Philistines. Then there's also places like Deuteronomy 22.19, where if a husband publicly accuses his new wife of not being a virgin and is proven wrong, he has to pay 100 shekels of silver. In Deuteronomy 22.29, a man had to pay 50 shekels for a woman he took advantage of, and then he was supposed to marry her. 
And then back in Genesis 20, 16, Abimelech paid Abraham a thousand pieces of silver for Sarah's honor. And then in another interesting comparison, in Genesis 37, 28, Joseph was sold as a slave for 20 pieces of silver. But when he put money back in his brother's sacks, he gave his full brother, Benjamin, 300 pieces of silver. And then lastly, in Exodus 21.32, if a slave, male or female, was gored by an ox that was known to be out of control, the fine was at least 30 shekels of silver. In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 16, it actually talks about a homer of barley as being valued, was supposed to be valued at 50 shekels. And here in Hosea, she was given one and a half homers of barley. So it appears that the value of the food was greater than the money. It should have lasted her a while. That one and a half homers would have been about nine bushels. I have purchased bushels of fruit, so I can visualize this. If you haven't, it may help to know that a bushel is a measurement of volume equal to about 32 quarts or eight gallons. What that weighs will depend on the product. So there really is enough to feed her to stay with him for many days. There's another cross-reference about silver right in Hosea chapter 2, verse 8, where God reminds them that he gave them lots of silver, but they just used it for their bales, their idols. And of course, there is the 30 pieces of silver that Judas sold Jesus for, which in comparison with Jesus's worth was a paltry sum. So Hosea, who already has the right of husband, an agreement that his wife entered into, goes to the extra effort of enticing her, as it were, to come back to him. In verse 3, he says, she will not be with any other man, and he will not be with any other woman. It will be as it was supposed to be from the beginning, as Jesus confirmed in Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9, and Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6, with one woman and one man, and let nothing cut them asunder. Then in verse 4, Yahweh makes it clear what this is all to illustrate. The children of Israel will be without a king for a good long while, much like Hosea's wife has abandoned her husband. Recall, God was supposed to be their only king, like he mentions to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 7 through 8. Asking for a human king was one step towards adultery and idolatry. Make of that what you will when it comes to having national pride and such in our day and age. Like Hosea's wife, the nation of Israel abandoned the relationship with God that was pure and full of good things, and now they will be bereft of even a human king. They will have no reigning king and no royal heir. They won't have a temple or priest system for sacrifices and no Urim or Thummim to be a conduit of instruction. For more understanding of these two peculiar stones, the Urim and the Thummim, you can look up Exodus 28.30, Leviticus 8.8, Numbers 27.21, Deuteronomy 33.8, 1 Samuel 28.6, and it is last mentioned in both Ezra 2.63 and Nehemiah 7.65, which are a recounting of the same problem of not having those any longer in the new temple that is being built. 
The last part in verse 4 that talks about the ephod and the idols seems to be a reprimand or a cut. They won't have access to their idols either. Recall that an ephod was used in idolatry, in particular in Judges 8.27 after Gideon's battles. Then verse 5 of Hosea chapter 3 here says that they, the nation of Israel, will actually seek Yahweh again and David their king. This is obviously after David has been dead, gone from the earthly scene for about at least 350 years. Since we don't know exactly when this particular prophecy was given, this is an estimate. Prophecies like these were why in the New Testament the people were looking for a son of David. See Matthew 12:23, Matthew 15:22 and Matthew 21:15, which that last one is about his triumphal entry. And this is also why the religious leaders were so mad when people used this phrase. In the last days, those alive of the people of Israel will come with reverent fear, appropriate trembling, but to receive his blessings. Recall Hosea chapter 2, verse 16, where it says, Then they will say, My husband and not my master. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 